since we're approaching Christmas, I really felt like it would be appropriate to take a look at the what we refer to as uh, the Christmas story or... Um, whoa, okay, that wasn't good. Um, the events surrounding Jesus' birth. So if we take a look at those events, we uh, find, actually, I'll just read you those verses quickly. Um, and I didn't put down which book I took this from. Um, oh, I did. John. So it's from John 6. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds staying in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not fear, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, for today in the city of David. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men to whom he is pleased. When the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things that they were told them, but they were told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying God and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for these miraculous events that brought him to us. And Father, we just pray that our hearts would be soft. We pray that you would impress upon us what it means to have a Savior such as Jesus. And we just pray that we would be softened and that you can impress upon us your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I'd like to now direct you to 2 Corinthians 9, the 15th verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I'm going to focus on this little short sentence. And everything that I'm going to talk about in regards to 2 Corinthians should be thought about in light of uh, the events surrounding Jesus' birth, what we've just read. Um, I'm going to look at three parts, three words in the sentence. Um, I'm going to focus on the giver of the gift, 
the gift, who was Jesus, and the gratitude or the attitude that we as the receiver should um, have towards this gift. So the gift, the gift itself, the giver is referred to twice in this verse. Thanks be to God for his gift. We know God is the giver of the gift. God is the giver of Jesus. God is the one who orchestrated all of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. And in this chapter, Paul has been talking to us previously in 2 Corinthians ahead of this verse. He's been talking to us about generosity and being givers. And the verse there concludes with one of the greatest uh, Bible chapters on the subject of giving. Um, In verse 7, we read, Each one of us should do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, if somebody gives you something and they do it under duress, that's not really a gift, is it? You know, someone, someone, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when the government says, oh, um, I'm going to, you know, you, you need to give your money for this project over here and I'm going to just take it. That's not a gift, is it? It's been stolen from you is what's happened. That's not a gift. God, God is not, uh, God is not compelling you to give to him. He wants us to give happily and willingly. Um, the word that actually is, is used there, cheerful giver, what it really means is a hilarious giver. So it's like, you know, it's like laughing. It's like you're happy to give. God was happy to give Jesus. God did not give us Jesus under compulsion. God was a cheerful giver. He gave, you know what, God gave the best. God gave us the very best. God, God was a hilarious giver. No one compelled God to give. Um, when we give ourselves to God, we need to give it willingly. Or what? If we don't give ourselves willingly to God, we're going to hold back something. You know, we're always going to be like, I'm going to give, but, but you know, I'm, I'm just going to give, I'm going to give part of myself. You know, um, sometimes, sometimes we do that with God. Sometimes we, we um, uh, <clears throat> there was a time, so I do a lot of self-confession when I'm up here, I don't know why. Um, there was a time when, when I was going to church, and I was de- very definitely a Christian, um, but what I told my family was, I said, I don't want to be involved in anything. That's funny, isn't it? God has a sense of humor. That's really funny because I'm literally involved in everything now. That's hilarious. But at that time, I was like, I just want to go to church, and I just want to be there for the message and, and the worship, and I want to leave. I want to go home. I have my own things I want to do. But you know what? I hadn't given all of myself to God. I was holding something back. And that's what we do if we feel we're under compulsion. There's a point, hopefully, in our Christian life where, where we get uh, to the point where we are happy to give all of ourselves to God. We say, you know what, God, whatever you need from me, I'm, I'm good for it. 
You need, you know, you need the bathrooms mopped at church. I'm your man. You need someone to go talk to this family over here. I'm your man. You need somebody to, to uh, you know, to go help somebody with something. I'm your guy. That's giving all of ourselves to God. You know, a lot of times we, we think, when we think about that, we think about money, right? We think about giving God all of our money. But, you know, God wants other stuff than our money. Our money is just a part of us. Money is very telling. Money, money will indicate to you where your heart is. God said that. He said, where your heart or where your treasure is, there, there will, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. So it's very telling. But what about our time? Our time sometimes is, is just as telling or just as important to God. The Bible tells us that God is rich in goodness and grace and mercy. And the gift, the gift he gave that we celebrate at this time of the year is worth more than the entire universe. Can you put a price on what Jesus did? Can you put a price on the life of Jesus? You can't, can you? You absolutely can't. You know, this time of year, we choose a lot of gifts. <clears throat> what do you often get at Christmas? What kind of gifts do you often get? You know, it, from a guy's perspective, I hope my wife's not listening right now. So I texted my daughter and I said, if you see something that your mommy would love to have, let me know because I don't have a clue. You know, that's a guy thing. It's not that I don't pay attention to my wife. It's not that I don't, you know, that I don't know her or I don't love her. It's just that that's really hard, you know. So what do you usually get at Christmas time? You usually get gifts that you really don't want, right? You know, another pair of purple socks, a tie. I don't wear ties. Have you ever seen me wear a tie? If God wanted me to wear a tie, he'd have given me a neck, right? <laughs> so ties, you know, kind of useless for me. So we get, but we get things that we don't really need. We can't use. We get, you know, this is why really the busiest time in the retail stores is the day after Christmas because everybody is returning all this stuff. But you know what? Jesus was a gift that was perfect. God knew exactly what we needed. Jesus was a perfect fit. Jesus was, he was perfect for everybody, wasn't he? Because we all need a savior. We all need, we all need, uh, we all need something that's perfect for us. Remember that song? I don't know if they still sing it or not. I was in choir when I was in school. Now I remember singing this song and it's a cumulative list a list that goes on and on and on. I used to get lost in it. I, I didn't know what verse we were on. I didn't know where we were at because it's so long. It goes on and on and on. And every time you add a gift to the end, and it's a bunch of stuff that really nobody, who has a use for a leaping Lord or a partridge in a pear tree? You know, by the time we get to the end, I'm thinking, wow, you got to be, you got to be wealthy to, to maintain 
all of these people and things, all this livestock. But it's a continual list, and that's kind of the way, you know, Christmas gets here in, in, in uh, human land, is you, you compile all this stuff. God gave one gift that we celebrate this time of year, and I might as well say, since someone will say it, you know, no, December 25th was probably not Jesus' birthday. We don't know when it was. But it doesn't really matter because you've got to pick a date, right? It wouldn't be right to not recognize the birth of Jesus. And yeah, i got a problem with the way most everybody celebrates Christmas because they don't celebrate it as the birth of Jesus. But we do. We do, and I hope you do. And we do exchange gifts in, our, in my family. I love to give gifts to my kids. Don't tell them that. But I especially love the, uh, I love the environment of Christmas. So um, put that argument to bed, hopefully. We should recognize the birth of Jesus. So think about the love of the giver. Think about the love of God to give us Jesus. Can you imagine what it was for Jesus to come down from heaven. Okay, we can't really imagine, right? Because we don't know what heaven is. But we know it's way better than what's here on earth. And you know what? Jesus came to earth probably during one of the most brutal times in history. The rule of the Roman Empire. The Romans were brutal. The Romans were, were tyrannical. When they moved into an area, they took control. And if you stood in the way, your head was on a pole. That was the time that Jesus came in. So can you imagine coming from heaven down into one of the worst times in the history of the world? And you came knowing that you're not only going to die on one of the most brutal devices devised for, uh, for, uh, you know, for the murder of people, but because the cross wasn't the worst part of Jesus' death. The worst part was that he took on himself all of the sin of the world for all time. Can you imagine Can you imagine that? You know, everybody loves baby Jesus. Nobody has a problem with baby Jesus. Even people who are opposed to Christianity, who are opposed to us gathering such as we are, they still love baby Jesus. But when Jesus became an adult and he died for our sins, they got a problem with that. Now Jesus is a threat. Now, Jesus is not just a sweet little innocent baby. But that's what God sent him for. You know, this little scene that we always picture in our mind of the nativity, uh, baby Jesus in the manger, um, Joseph. And again, Joseph and Mary were young. You know, all of these nativity scenes with Joseph with, you know, with the beard of a 90-year-old. and No, he was young. 
Probably couldn't even shave yet. So that's a, that's a wonderful picture, but Jesus, or God sent Jesus to take away the sins of the world. That's the gift. God, God gave us this gift. You can't buy this gift. Go online, go online sometime and see. Search for um, uh, forgiveness of all my sins. See what you can get that for online. See what you can, can see what you can find. I want forgiveness. I want forgiveness for all time. See what you can find. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You know, some people are like, and I, I, I like doing this, you know, let's trade. I'll do this for you and you do that for me. So we'll barter. Can you barter with God? Say, you know, I've been a horrible person, but I have this talent. God, I'd trade, I'd trade this thing for, for forgiveness of my sins. I really want a place in heaven, but I, I don't want to deal with this whole Christ thing, you know. It's just laborious. But I, can, I, can I trade for it? You can't trade for it. You can't. You can't trade for it. You can't buy it. It's a gift. I'd like to point out a couple of things here. Um, the giver is a person. The giver is God. The gift is a person. The gift is Jesus Christ. And the recipient is a person. All three are persons. They're all people. You know, God is focused on people. What's important to God is people. God, God is... is uh, probably bored with every, most of the things that we spend our life on. I've pointed this out before, you know. Probably, I don't know, 90% of our time is involved in taking care of these disgusting bodies that we live in. 90% of our time, I'm sure. We go out, we earn a living because we've got to eat. Some of us eat way too much. We've got to exercise because we eat too much. Um, we gotta, we got to take care. You know, it's, it's really nice if we bathe and have clean clothes on, so we've got to spend time doing that. We need shelter. We've got to work to pay for that. We spend all this time on stuff that we're going to leave behind. It's ridiculous. We're going to leave all of this behind. Most of us will be happy to leave this body behind when we're done. It'll be completely worn out. Won't be a use for it. But we spend all of our time on that. God focuses on people. His, his whole focus is on people. His focus is on saving people. When he wants us to serve him, it's usually serving people, right? We're usually serving someone in some way. But God's focus is on what lasts, what's important. What's important are the people. God wants us to help him in taking care of his people. That's, that's God's greatest concern. I'm getting old enough to realize that time is short. Time is really short. <clears throat> Most of you recognize that too. 
you look back and, and, you know, 10 years ago wasn't that long ago and it went by like that. Just went by. It's gone. The time is gone. I don't have time to waste. I don't, want, I, I don't have time to spend on useless conversations. I don't have time to spend on endless controversies. You know, sometimes people, people will call and they, they want to talk about an issue that has been discussed and has been argued over for 200 years. And I say, go buy the books because I don't have time for that. It's an endless controversy. There's no, there's no end. There's no, there's no complete uh, black and white answer for the question. I don't have time for that. I want to focus on where I can accomplish something. I want to focus on helping people in a way that I can help them with. Spend time with your family. You know? Those, those times are... They're short. And as your kids get older, they're fewer and fewer between. They're fewer and fewer times and more and more time in between. That's what's important. That's what God focuses on. You know, the material stuff just, just is, it, we, we have to have it. I'm not saying we don't need homes. We do. But that's not where our focus should be. You know, Jesus said that he did what he saw the Father doing, and he said what he heard the Father say. Those are things that, this is a focus that we should have. You know, we should be, we should be looking to see what did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? Because that's what God is doing. If Jesus did what he saw God doing and said what he heard God saying, shouldn't that be what we're doing too? I think it should. You know, the Bible says if you want to see, if you want a good picture of God, if you want to know more about God, study Jesus. Study his son. Because Jesus is a reflection of God. We can learn a lot just from studying what did Jesus say and what did he do? Because that should direct our behavior as a Christian. That should direct our um, focus as a Christian. Do we sound like Jesus when we talk? I have to admit I don't always sound like Jesus when I talk. I'm usually pretty good when I'm here, you know, because I can keep myself under control for an hour and a half without too much problem. But other places? What about other places? You know, people, when they come to this place, usually they're kind of on their best behavior. So we see each other when we're at our best, right? But what about other times? What about how, how are we when we're away from here? How are we like when we're in our car and we're driving on um, we're driving on Eastland and we stop there at that light and there's somebody three cars up the light's green apparently they're on their cell phone how are we then those are really telling times we can just examine ourselves and say how are how are we like are we like Jesus 
Are we like him all the time? I'm not saying we're ever going to be perfect, but I'm sure we can all make improvements. You know, if we're not like Jesus all the time, we've got a problem. Look at the gift. Look at the gift there. Thanks to God for his indescribable gift. You know, again, Jesus was a gift. You can't buy it. You can't bargain for it. What if you lived your whole life, you got, you know, you got old, like, you know, maybe, I don't know, 60 or something. You're young enough to, to enjoy your money, is kind of my point. You earn billions of dollars. You know, you out Trump Trump. You came to the end of your life. You hadn't lived one day for God. You had not lived one day for God. You lived your whole life for yourself. And then you said to God, you said to God, God, I've lived my whole life for myself, so I don't have a place in eternity. I don't have a place with you. But I have several billion dollars here. And I'd like to buy a place in heaven. I'll I'll give you several billion dollars if you'll give me a place in heaven. Would that work? You know that wouldn't work. God's got all the money in the world. The Bible says he has all the cows everywhere. The Bible says he owns every mountain and every hill. Does God need several billion dollars? He doesn't even have a use for it. You can't buy it. Suppose you had influence. Suppose you're a politician. You had tons of influence in the world. Suppose you lived your whole life for yourself and you came to the end of your life and you said, God, I've lived my whole life for myself. I've supported abortion as a woman's health concern and a woman's choice. I've participated in election fraud. So I don't have a place in eternity. I don't have a place in heaven. But, but I'd like to trade my influence with you for a place in heaven. You think that would work? God doesn't need influence. God has all the power in the world. There's no way that you can buy your way to heaven. There's no way that you can earn your way to heaven with influence or by working or anything else. I remember stories back when I was younger. I would read stories about the mob all the time. I don't know. It's a fascination I had. Probably not a very healthy one. But I, I remember <clears throat> that the dawn of the mafia was always a really good Catholic. And he would go and he would throw thousands of dollars into the offering. Why did he do that? He'd just gone out and killed a couple of guys and buried them in a hole out in the desert. And he goes to church and puts money in the offering. Why did he do that? He's thinking he can buy his way to heaven. Well, if I give a bunch of money to the church, God will forgive me. Sometimes people have have the other view, you know. Well, if I come and I do a bunch of things for the church or for the people of the church, you know, it'll give me a little give me a little headway with God, you know. 
I'm not a very godly person over here, but maybe I can earn it by, you know, doing, throwing in a little bit extra over here. That doesn't work. God's not impressed with that. God, God wants all of us. God wants all of us. Jesus was a gift. Jesus was a gift that he gave us, that God gave us. It's an insult to God to think that you can buy him off. It's an insult. We need to know who this gift is for or who this gift is. We need to know who this gift is. You know, John 4, the 10th verse, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is and who it is that says to you, give me, a, give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She was speaking to Jesus, but she didn't know that, of course. Jesus asked her for water, and she gave him water. It's important to recognize who the gift is. The gift, the gift is Jesus Christ. The gift is eternal life. The gift is the forgiveness of your sins. The gift is that God can patch your life together, even if you've made a mess of it. The gift is that God can repair relationships. If you have... If you have relationships that have fallen apart, God can fix that. God can repair that hole in your heart. That's the gift. The gift is that if you let him into your life, he will change your life. But he wants your life in return. You can't buy it. You can't trade for it. But you can give your life for it. The trick is that when you do, when you give your life to God, you get so much back. You're not losing anything. It's not like you're, you know, giving up all of your, your future when you give God your life. You get your life. You get your life back. God identified this gift as a holy thing. Jesus, Jesus was the gift. Jesus was the holy gift, the holy thing. The phraseology there is difficult 
because it's kind of like it should say Jesus was the Holy One, but it says the Holy Thing. You know, when, it, when Paul talks about unspeakable gifts, there's an element of impossibility there. The English word unspeakable, interestingly, occurs three times in the King James Version of the New Testament. It's interesting that it translates a different Greek word in every case. It always translates them as unspeakable. I don't really know why that is. It's something that I would have to try to figure out. But they use three different Greek words, but they all mean the same thing. Unimaginable or unspeakable. It's, it's just a... It's, it means unspeakable because it's unadvisable to talk about it. It's kind of what it means. It's too deep for understanding. We can't understand it. We can't understand the gift. You know, maybe we'll never understand the gift. But maybe we will when we're in heaven. Maybe we will when we have that perspective. You know how things gain, how you gain perspective over time? When you're in the middle of something, you can't see how it's all going to work out. You're just, you look at the situation and you, you're like, this is a ridiculous situation. I have no idea how it's going to work out. And then you get to the other side about five years down the road and you look back and you're like, oh, now I see it. Maybe it'll be like that when we get to heaven. Maybe we'll look back and we'll say, ah, I get it. I understand. Maybe we will, but here we don't. Here we don't, you know what, that's okay. We don't have to. You know, some people who are into theology and all of that, they're, they're, they have their head in the clouds. Um, they always want to try to, to break down something or a situation in Scripture, and they, they come up with all of these ideas about, you know, what the solution to this problem is or what the answer to this problem is, and there isn't one. It's one of those things there's no answer for. You're probably wasting your time talking about it. You know, I think we're better off focusing our time on what we can understand. If something is not understandable, it's not understandable. Spending more time on it won't help you. We need to focus on what we understand. I think that's my opinion. You know, God gives us things that he would like for us to do. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on serving God. Let's focus on being God's hands and feet for one another. There's a blessing in that. I'm telling you, there's a blessing in that. First Peter 1 through 8 refers to joy unspeakable and full of, go- full of glory. Something that's too deep for words. We don't understand it. The glory is too deep for words. You know, a lot of Christmas gifts don't even last through Christmas. Isn't that true? Some of these toys that we buy kids, especially, you know, two hours after they've been opened, they're broken already. They don't even last. The gift that God gives us lasts through eternity. It's for all time. It's for all continents. It's for all cultures. It's for everyone. God's gift is perfect for everyone. You know, our response to this gift should be one of gratitude. 
one of thankfulness, true thankfulness. You know, I've talked about, I don't know if I've ever spoken to you from here about authenticity, but that's one thing I appreciate about some of our our younger generations. That is that they're into authenticity. If you're fake to them, they can spot it from 100 feet away. And they don't appreciate fakeness. You know what? God doesn't appreciate fakeness either. Do you think people who are pretending to be a Christian, do you think God's, do you think God falls for that? Do you think he can't see what's going on? Bible says God looks at our heart. He sees what's in our heart. And if you, if you come to church and you think that sitting here in church is going to make you a Christian, sitting in church is not going to make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage is going to make you a car. God sees. God sees what's true. We need to be authentic. We need to be authentic in our gratitude towards God for what he's done. If you feel like you don't understand really what Jesus is to you, what he did for you, spend some time on that. Get get a good understanding of that because then maybe you will have authentic gratitude. You know, there's a difference in the way we we say thank you. Um, Think about it. If someone takes you to an expensive restaurant and drops, you know, 50 bucks on the food for you, and you say thank you, you really enjoyed it, and you really mean thank you, you know, it's different than if somebody simply holds the door for you. You know, if somebody holds the door for you as you walk in, you say thank you, it's, it's, a, it's a small thing. And you don't know this person. It's a different thank you, isn't it? It's totally different. We need to have, we need to have a gratitude in our heart that equals the gift. If we have that gratitude in our heart that equals the gift, then we're going to have we can have a sincere response. We need to be truly sincere in it. I've said this before. I've said this before. You know, don't fake something. If you don't feel something, don't fake it. Be authentic. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. says they lied to the Holy Spirit. They sold property. They said that they gave all of the money to the church But in reality, they held some back. They lied to the Holy Spirit. You know what? When you lie about something, about being a Christian, you're you're not lying to people. I don't care if you lie to me. I don't care. But you're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're lying to God. And God knows. God knows what's really in your heart. I have more, but I believe I probably will be speaking to you next Sunday again. And so we do have communion today.
And so um, I'm going to just stop where I'm at. And uh, we're going to serve communion. If you're a Christian, I want to invite you to join us. If you're not normally here, you can join us in this. Um, this is this is what Jesus left us to do in remembrance of him Um, we use grape juice which represents the blood of Jesus we use crackers which represents the blood or the body of Jesus this is what we do in remembrance of Christ giving himself and taking the sin of us and the world on himself. This is what we do. So, gentlemen, if you would like to uh, dim the lights and if a couple of you can come down here. What I'm going to do is I'll pray and then we'll let, let the guys pass these elements out. And then um, what I'd like to do when we're done there is I'll, I'll read the verses where Jesus gave the instructions for this. And then, uh, and then we'll take it all together. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for the life of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that it is a free gift. We thank you, Lord, that all you're asking us to do is accept the free gift and give our hearts to you. God, we pray, we pray that if, if we're holding anything back in that, we pray that you would enable us to give it all to you. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would have freedom here. Help us to understand the magnanimity of this gift, what it truly means for us as individuals. Father, just pray that you'd have freedom here today. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen.